Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for who you are. We thank you that you are on the move. We thank you that you are so good, Lord, and we just uh, trust in you, Father. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you that you paid it all, and we just love you so much, Lord. I just ask for your anointing, Father, um, on on my words, Lord. uh, Let me just speak what you're speaking, Father, and uh, we just want to encounter you, Father. We just thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, amen. So uh, the title of the message, if I'm not great at giving titles, would be um, Preaching the Pure Gospel. Preaching the pure gospel, if, if you're taking notes. So, I had a dream, and the Lord often speaks to me through dreams. And uh, the dream was on October 24th of this year. And actually what was happening is I was walking around our new building, which we don't have a new building, but apparently we're going to have one. So (laughs) I was walking around our new building, and I was in like a warehouse section, and there were boxes everywhere. And as I'm walking around, I am uh, just kind of giggling with the joy of the Lord. And I am getting whacked is what we, you know, affectionately call it when you're just getting hit by Holy Spirit, and he's just kind of like filling you with his goodness and uh, sometimes laughter and, and, and things like that. And so I'm just getting filled with his presence, and I know that we're preparing for a night of worship that night, like a worship service that evening. And so I'm just walking around, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus, so much um, for your provision of joy. I was specifically thanking him for his provision of joy. It wasn't so much about thank you for this new building. It was just like, man, thank you so much that you're so good, and we can enter into your joy. And as I'm thanking him, I start preaching to the atmosphere and anyone that can hear me um, that we need to get back to preaching the pure gospel. We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach the good news everywhere we go and the importance of preaching that. And as I'm preaching, I know that there's guys in the back that are not saved that are hearing me preach the gospel to them. And um, so this this is taking place. And then suddenly three people walk in that are there up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. <laughs> Sorry, it just popped in my head. <laughs> and, and they came up, and they were there under the guise of, of certain bureaucratic things, but they were there, and it was very obvious that they were there to shut down the worship service that night. Um, and so uh, next thing you know, one of them is holding me back um, because this is something that they're doing to churches, and this is something that I'm aware of, and they said this part, sometimes people will fight and get uh, upset, and then uh, they confiscated uh, the soundboard, basically our sound system. And um, they start lifting this up and taking it, um, and it's, again, it's under the guise of a certain thing, but they're just trying to stop worship from taking place. And um, so then they finally let me go, and I see what they're doing, and I just start giggling, and I start getting filled with the Lord's goodness and with his joy again. And I just look at them, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, you know, and I just started preaching the gospel to them. 
and because I knew that they weren't saved, preaching the gospel to them. And I'm like, you know what? All this means is that we're just going to take worship out in the streets and we're going to preach the gospel and people are going to get saved. And there's going to be signs and wonders and miracles just like Paul. And there is going to be a harvest that comes. And I'm laughing and I'm giggling. And then the dream ends with this boldness that comes up inside of me. And I begin to shout as if anything can stop the worship of Jesus. <laughs> and that's, that's how I woke up out of the dream, shouting this. And so poor Pastor Daniel's like, whoa, what's happening? And you know how when you come out of a dream, you're kind of half paralyzed. So I'm sure it sounded like, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sure it sounded like that. Um, but the Lord is saying something. And uh, you know what Jill shared definitely really resonates with me, that when, when persecution and things happens to the church, all that does is just drive us forward. And the, the, the Lord has this way of using the enemy to cause backfiring on his own plans, to cause us to run right into the promised land. Look at what he did with Pharaoh and the children of Israel. They were too afraid, they were too comfortable. And so here comes Pharaoh to chase them through the Red Sea so that the Lord can bury the enemies, right? bury the, the old slave mentality so they can be driven into the promised land. Amen? So I just want to share with you a few things. So there's a few points um, that the Lord is showing in this dream. Um, number one, what the Lord is saying is joy is provision. Joy is provision. It is never inappropriate to enter into the joy of the Lord. Never an inappropriate time. The joy of the Lord is our Strength. You need strength in the middle of the battle. You don't need joy at the end of the battle. You need joy while you're going through the process. Amen? So it is never inappropriate to be joyful, to enter into God's joy. And guess what? Joy looks like something. Joy is childlike. Uh, sometimes I think as Christians we get this idea that joy is like this, like, oh, bless the Lord. I'm going through trials, but I'm joyful about it. You know, it's just this like, this like fake, I'm going to put on a smile, but like joy looks like something. We can actually laugh. The, the Bible says that the Lord laughs at the plans of the enemy. The Lord laughs. He looks from the heavens and he laughs. And we can laugh because he is our daddy. Because no matter what he's going to do, the church wins. Amen. Jesus wins. Joy is provision. One third of the kingdom is joy. Amen. One third of the kingdom is joy. There is not one person in this room that would say, you know what? It's not my personality to be righteousness. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom, okay? Peace. And there's no one in this room that's like, you know what? Peace is just not my personality, you know? But joy is one third of the kingdom. And so can I tell you that your default born again setting is joy, Amen. And the joy of the Lord is your Amen. So double down on joy. That's point number one. Point number two, preach the pure gospel. Preach the pure gospel. Sometimes we make things just a little too complicated for people. And there is power in the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. We can never um, take that for granted and think, oh, this is too simple. We gotta give people meat. It's like that is meat. To fully understand that Jesus truly paid it all. 
that is meat for every area of your life. There's times that we think we get it up here, but it's like, man, in every area of your life, any area of your life where you find yourself striving, any area of your life where you feel like, I just don't feel um, God's divine enablement, I just don't feel God's grace in this area of my life, that's an area that there's probably some mind renewal to the gospel coming to that area of your life, that Jesus paid it all. Amen? Amen. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Okay? So this is the problem that Jesus came to solve. Okay? Adam and Eve in the garden partook of sin, okay? They partake of the apple. They disobeyed. And so sin came on the human race. The problem is that we didn't become bad. The problem is that we became dead, okay? We became dead. We were dead in spirit. What Jesus came was to bring us to life, not to make bad people good, to make dead people alive, Amen. This is the gospel. This is who Jesus is, okay? The law was there as a mirror to show us this is the standard, and guess what? Not one of us can meet the standard. I love she's getting filled with joy back there. <laughs> Just getting filled with joy talking about the gospel of Jesus. It's awesome. Yes, feel free to enter into joy at any minute, and feel free to get healed while you're at it too. <laughs> so the, the law is there as a mirror to say this is the impossible standard that you could never reach. You could never reach it. Stop running on the treadmill because you will never get there. Okay, this is the standard that you can never reach. Jesus reached it for us and then died on a cross. He died as us so that we could come to life with him. Amen. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus gave his life for us. And then what does it take for us to be born again? For us to simply believe. Simply believe. That's the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him shall be saved. Amen? It's about relationship. If you receive his free gift of righteousness, you become a new creation. Your sins are washed away. Your sins are washed away. They don't get to touch your identity anymore. You are not struggling with a sin problem. Jesus took care of that. And now we're just in a renewal process where our minds come into alignment with what's already true about us, that we are a new creation in him. Amen? This is the gospel. If you are still struggling with condemnation, you are having more faith in Adam to make you a sinner than in Jesus to make you righteous. I'm going to say that again. If you are still struggling with condemnation, you have more faith in a human being, in Adam, thousands of years ago, to make you a sinner than in Jesus to make you righteous. Okay? Righteous, righteousness is a free gift. You have a right standing with Jesus through that free gift. Amen? And now everything we have access to, and we have access to freedom, deliverance, healing, all these things have already been paid for. We don't have to work and strive for them. We don't have to behave right to earn them. It is all part of that inheritance that comes through Jesus and being a co-heir with him. Amen? This is the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's simple. 
Turn to your other neighbor. That sounds too easy, but it's that easy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we want to preach the pure gospel of Jesus. Believe in him, and then you can have that gift of righteousness, and you will be saved. Amen? And then you not only are saved and bound for heaven, you can have heaven here on earth. Amen? All of it is paid for in his blood, because his blood is that powerful, all right? So point number one, joy is provision. Double down on joy. Number two, preach the pure gospel of Jesus. Number three, in the face of persecution, the church's influence spills out into the streets. <laughs> Amen. When I'm persecuted, I can respond like an orphan or a victim, or I can respond in my identity in him and just preach the gospel, love my enemies, and believe the Holy Spirit's transformation power. Revival is power. Amen. Amen. When people are coming against you, you have the ability to love your enemy and to preach the gospel and believe that there is not a soul that he can't save. Amen. Amen. Just like the Lord used Pharaoh to drive his people to the promised land, to split the Red Sea, to make ways where there didn't seem to be ways so that the Lord could drown our enemies, the enemies of fear, slavery, fear of man, false comforts and settling, the Lord always wins. Amen? Amen. This is the greatest time for the church. This is the greatest time for the church. I'm like, I'm getting, Phil just watching you. She's just so full of joy. You need to just go around and just like lay hands on people. <laughs> this is the greatest time for the church, amen? This is the greatest time. This is the greatest season. This is our finest hour. And this is the church's greatest comeback. Someone say, this is the church's greatest comeback. <laughs> How many of you know that prophetic Super Bowl game with the Chiefs? Yes, do you remember Bob Jones's prophecy? Bob Jones's prophecy is when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Aren't you so proud of me? I'm talking about sports. Look at this. <laughs> when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, that that would mean that revival's here. Amen? Revival is here. Revival is here. I love Jill's word. It's not like, oh, try and get ready. It's like, be ready. It's here. The harvest is ripe. It's time. Amen? This is the church's greatest comeback. Do you remember how that game went? It looked pretty bad. <laughs> looked like this is not going to happen. And then they pulled it out at the last minute. Right? I'm telling you, this is the church's greatest season. This is the church's finest hour. It's looking bad. It's looking like, oh my gosh, what's happening in the world and stuff like that. It is the church's finest hour. Revival is here and we are gonna see a billion soul harvest. And I'm telling you, the word is true that this church is a combine harvester. We are going to see a harvest of souls in this place, amen? Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. Yeah, just give him glory. Just worship him, Jesus. We thank you, Father. It's not by might or by power, but by your spirit, Jesus. It's not by striving and performing, but it's by your grace. And we just thank you for it, and we just receive your words, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. 
All right, so number one, double down on joy. Number two, preach the pure gospel. Number three, when persecution comes, it just increases the church's influence. Number four, worship is key, especially outside the four walls of the church. That's what the Lord has really been leading us in. It's time to take worship and prayer outside the four walls of the church. That's why we've been going down to the state capitol to pray and go into different areas that the Lord is showing to go and pray. Where two or more are gathered, he's there in our midst. And I'm telling you, something gets unlocked when the people of God come together and they worship. I'm telling you, it shifts things in the atmosphere. It shifts principalities. I don't even fully know how it works, but I know that shift happens when people come together and worship the King of Kings. Amen? I'm telling you, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we've talked about this before. You know I love India. I have a special place in my heart for India, but that's something that people recognize India as being a place that when you fly in, that you come and to this atmosphere that can be like kind of overwhelming because there is so much agreement with the enemy. There is so much agreement with false gods and stuff like that. If that can happen when people are in agreement over a statue, what can happen when the people of God come into agreement and worship Jesus? Amen? I'm telling you, every time that we gather, things are shifting in the atmosphere over our country. I'm telling you, so many prophetic words. Like, oh my gosh, when worship was happening this morning, I don't know why I was heading over to New York, and like things were shifting over New York because that's, that's just how intercession works. Jesus has so set us up for success. Amen? Amen. Worship is powerful. Worship is powerful. Psalm 22.3 says that God is enthroned on our praises. Amen. He's enthroned on our praises. So we're going to praise him. We're going to worship him. Nothing can stop the worship of Jesus. And he will be enthroned. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Amen. Amen. Worship is powerful. Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Um, we're going to talk more about Lazarus in a minute, but I just want to call your attention to something. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was the one who poured oil on Jesus' feet and worshipped him while wiping his feet with her hair. So her worshipping him is what got her to a place of knowing that he could come and bring revival to her brother. Amen. We're going to come back to that in a second, okay? Number one, double down on joy. Number two, preach the pure gospel. Number three, in the face of persecution, the church's influence just grows. Number four, worship is key. Number five, signs, wonders, and miracles follow us. Amen. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow us. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 to 5 says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Amen. Signs, wonders, and miracles are going to follow us. Demonstrations of the Spirit. Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Amen. The kingdom comes in power. So let's talk about revival, because we talk a lot about revival. We're singing about revival. What the heck is revival? What do we mean when we say revival? Okay. Um, why do we need revival? Why do we need revival? Because what tends to happen is there is this pendulum swing that takes place. If you go and you read the book of Kings, um, it's kind of frustrating. It's like pendulum swings over here, and then this king honors God, and they do great, and then the people are doing great, and then this king comes, and then they all, you know, 
put up bales and Asherah poles and da 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 da. And then there was wickedness. And then the next king, da 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 da. And then there's just pendulum swing, pendulum swing, back and forth, back and forth. Okay. Um, it happens in in families. Well, you know, I I had a. a uh, parents that uh, treated me harshly and, you know, didn't, didn't honor me. They were super strict and abusive or whatever. So I'm going to pendulum swing over here and I'm not going to give my kid any limits and now they're going to run me and da, 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 And so we just like kind of pendulum swing back and forth and back and forth. What we need is Jesus. What we need is revival. We need the world to see who he is. We need the world to come into his transforming power and to see how much they're loved, to come into their true identity in him. Amen. That's what we need, okay? We have to, we have to balance these two truths, and this, we talk about this a lot um, with the word of God, is that we have to walk this tension between two truths that do not contradict one another, but there is a balance to two truths. Number one, we have to stand for righteousness. We have to stand for righteous principles. We cannot allow things to take place on our watch because we come into agreement with things. We tolerate things, and it equals yuck stuff in the atmosphere and stuff that we're passing down to our children and their children's children. We have to take a stand for righteousness. And then over here, you also cannot legislate morality and relationship with Jesus. So we have to hold balance between these two truths. And this is, this is the side, both sides. We need revival. We need Jesus. We need people to get saved. Amen? So what is revival? Revival means bringing dead things to life. Bringing dead things to life. Something has to look dead or hopeless to be revived. Amen? So do you see some pretty dead-looking, hopeless things around? Woohoo! <laughs> Anyone seen anything dead or hopeless looking around? Yep. Ha ha ha. Repeat after me. Ha ha ha. He he he. Ho ho ho. It's time for revival. <laughs> Amen. Okay, we're going to talk about the story of Lazarus because Lazarus, that, that whole passage, it's like a roadmap of revival, okay? Um, Lazarus dies, and the people are like, Jesus, where were you? Like, where, where were you? You let him die. Um, Lazarus had to die for us to see the revival power of Jesus, to see him reborn. I'm telling you, when I had my heart healing... Um, back, gosh, that was like how many years ago now? Um, when I had my heart healing, Jesus stepped in and something that I didn't even believe for, he came and he healed my heart and I experienced Jehovah Rapha for the first time. And I'm telling you, that brought a revival to my heart that then brought a reformation to my life because now I have to live my life differently if this is true, that Jesus who loves me, who, you know, I had some understanding I wanted to have character like him, but oh my gosh, he moves in power and he has the ability to heal people and he's also telling me that I can do the same thing. I have to change the way I'm living my life because now I've had an encounter with Jesus and nothing can put that back in a box again. Amen? So there is actually a part of me that died when I received that healing because I was reborn. Does this make sense? All right. So in John chapter 11, if you'd like to follow along, John chapter 11, 11, Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going so that I may awaken him from sleep. 
And I'm telling you that there's a representation here of the church. And this is one of the, the, the scriptures that was really um, foundational for the naming of, of our church. It's time to awaken life in God's church. Amen. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going so that I may awaken him from sleep. So Martha comes to Jesus when Jesus finally arrives after he had taken his time to get there purposefully. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then Jesus responds, your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha says, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha's thinking that Jesus is talking about someday in the sweet by and by, Lazarus is gonna raise again, okay? Now, how often does that happen where people take uh, revival, people take that concept that Jesus wants to do things right now and they place it in, you know, someday in heaven I'll be set free. Someday in heaven is when I'm gonna encounter freedom. Someday in heaven is when I'm gonna have my healing. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm about to do something right now, Amen. Amen. If we feel like we're going to gain anything further when we die and go to heaven, we're putting more faith in our death than in his. Amen. He died on the cross and he paid for our healing. Amen. He paid for our freedom. Amen. Okay. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. So what is Jesus's response to her? He preaches the gospel to her. He preaches the gospel, and he says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, do you believe it? Amen? He comes into this dead situation, this place that looks impossible, and he preaches the gospel. Amen. Verse 28, when she had said this, she left and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Did anyone hear Jesus calling for Mary? I just think that's so funny. I'm just like, can you just picture Mary? She's like this busybody, and she's like, hey, Mary, Jesus is calling for you, and actually Jesus didn't call for her. Pretty funny. I, th I think it's funny. It's just like it just gives you a picture of what she's like. So Mary comes, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Verse 36, so the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. And I just wanna pause right there and tell you, when we respond to the world and the, the problems and the issues with empathy, it demonstrates love. The Jews looked on, they're like, oh my gosh, look at how he loved him. Oh my gosh, he cares about the same things that we care about. I'm telling you, there's power in entering into empathy. That's something that Jesus did. It makes no sense that Jesus would mourn for Lazarus when he's right about to wake him back to life. There is power in empathy. There's a reason he does that. It's because it is loving to empathize with people. Amen? 
and it actually opens a door for you to be able to speak into their lives because now they see, you actually relate to me. You actually care about the things that I care about. Amen? Empathy's powerful. Then Jesus goes to the tomb, though Martha warns him of the stench. Jesus says, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So even though there's a stinky stench and things are looking pretty bad, beyond impossible, um, he goes forth. And the next thing it says, Jesus lifted his eyes up. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. When we're crying out for revival, we don't evaluate how things are going by looking around at the deadness, by smelling the stench and trying to determine what Jesus is about to do based on what we're seeing with our natural eyes. Amen? Ignore the stench. Ignore the death because he is revival, because he is the resurrection. Amen? There is no dead situation that is beyond his ability to bring change in a moment. Amen? Lift your eyes up. Jesus lifted his eyes up. And he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. Amen? Amen. We lift our eyes up to the God of revival. And then he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> and the, the word come there is the same word that he uses when he calls the disciples, come follow me. And I'm telling you, Lazarus represents the church, and he made a big comeback for the glory of God. Amen? He made a big comeback for the glory of God. So Lazarus comes out, and we all know that he was kind of mummified almost, like they had wrapped bandages around him and stuff. And so you, know, you can picture he's kind of like jumping out of the tomb, right? And Jesus did not walk up to him and untie him. Jesus says, you unbind him. And I'm telling you, that's a picture that when we get called to life and we become born again, it's something that Jesus is relying on the church and community to come and help unbind us from our old ways, unbind us from our old patterns of thinking and our old, you know, dead things, amen? And we're there for each other to help unbind one another, amen? So the Bible is filled with stories of God waiting for dead situations in order to perform his works. Amen? Waiting until people actually can't perform it. Okay? Look at Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, her womb was dead. Okay? So Sarah, her womb's dead, so then they try to work it out a different way. It's like, here, Abraham, take my servant girl. And so Abraham creates Ishmael, and God's like, no, actually, I won't bless that. I'm blessing the, the promised one, Isaac. And he says, and actually, we're going to wait until you're dead, too. So now not only is, is Sarah's womb dead, but now he's waiting for Abraham's loins to be dead as well. And that's when God is saying, yes, now it's time. Amen. Now it's time because you can't perform it. You can't perform it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. You can't do it. You can't strive for it. You can't perform it. Only Jesus can. And that's when Jesus says, yes, now I'm ready. Amen? When you are ready to throw in the towel and you give up your striving and performance, that's when Jesus is like, yes, finally. Now we can get somewhere. Amen. Jesus, I can't heal people. I can't heal people. Yay, you finally realize you can't heal people. Here's some grace. Amen. Amen. 
That's what God, he's so good at that. He's such a good father, such a good teacher, amen? When we come to the end of our own strength is when God says, finally, now watch this. Dead loins, dead wombs, resurrection power is coming to your situation in Jesus' name. The gospel means believe, believe, not perform. Look at Gideon. God waited until the army was whittled down until it was an impossible situation. And that's when he says, yes, here we go. Now there's gonna be victory. 300 people against locusts, millions, millions in the, in the opposite army. And God's like, 300, now we're ready. Now they're gonna know that it was me. Amen? Amen. Lazarus, four days, dead and stinky. And now the gospel gets to work. <laughs> Amen? So what is looking dead in your life? What's looking dead in your life? Do you have marriage issues? Financial issues? Business is looking dead. I know there's a lot of people going through financial struggles and just kind of trying to reinvent and, and figuring out what this season looks like for them. Relationships, health, things in our culture. You look around you, do things look dead? Do things look hopeless? I'm telling you, revival is coming. God is awakening life into dead things in the name of Jesus. He's awakening life and hope. Resurrection power is coming to your marriage. It's coming to your finances. Resurrection power is coming to your dreams, and he has a way of causing every plan of the enemy to backfire on him and to launch you even farther than you could have ever gone, to launch you even higher than you could have ever dreamed, to, to change and shift where you thought you wanted to go, to go somewhere that you never thought you could. Amen? That's who our God is. That's who our God is. He is such an amazing redeemer. Trust in his redeeming power. That is the gospel, redemption. I'm telling you, I, I walked through a difficult season where I, I had two miscarriages. I had them one right after the other, and I'm like, Lord, what's going on? What, what happened? And it was this really painful season, and we mourned, and we, we grieved with the Lord and all that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, then he gave me two rainbow babies. Do you guys know what a rainbow baby is? It's the baby you could have never had if you had had the child. So now I become a gainer because I have two children in heaven, and then I also have the two children I never would have met if it weren't for the two that miscarried, because it's not God that did it to me, but he's such an amazing redeemer. Amen? There isn't anything, it's like, that's why he laughs at the plans of the enemy. Amen? He's such an amazing redeemer. Turn to your neighbor, say, revival's coming. Turn to your other neighbor, say, revival's here. <laughs> All right. From revival to reformation. Lazarus was reborn, but he needed to be unbound. I woke up to the healing power of Jesus, and then my life changed, and that's when Reformation came. Amen? People get born again, and then there's this transformation process as our minds and thought processes come into alignment with the truth of who we are as a new creation. Amen? Can I share with you, people are just one encounter away from a new theology. People are just one encounter away from a new theology. It's, as not, it's not as impossible as you think. When we're preaching the gospel and we're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders and miracles, you don't have to argue with people anymore. They are one encounter away from a new theology. There is no soul that can't be saved. Amen? There is no situation that's too impossible for our God. Can I share with you that you are a walking encounter with Jesus everywhere you go? 
You are a walking encounter with Jesus. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, and you will see the amazing grace, the amazing power of God flowing through you. Jesus said, greater works than I do, you will do. Amen. You are not fighting a battle of worthiness. That's the devil's lie. That is not the gospel message. You are not fighting a sin battle, and once you get that figured out, then you can move in the power of God. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I am telling you, the gospel means that Jesus already did it, and you get to move in that same power. Amen? We're not fighting a battle for worthiness. You are a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You are the people, the chosen people of God. That's who you are. And you are an encounter with Jesus everywhere you go. Sharing godly principles is great, but our world needs an encounter with the prince, and then his principles will follow. Amen? Hmm. Turn to your neighbor and say, revival is here. Revival is in me. And I carry revival. <laughs> Amen. What's that? Am I bossy today? Oh, all right. Well, Jesus, fix it. <laughs> That's his grace. So yeah, so Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for who you are, Lord. And I'm just mindful, Father, um, I don't know if I know everyone in this room, and I certainly don't know everyone that's watching on the live stream, but I just wanna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I just wanna share with you that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything you've ever done and nothing that you've ever done has shocked him or scared him or anything like that. All he wants is relationship with you. That's why he died on a cross. If it were for only you, he would have died on that cross for only you because he loves you. And he wants to restore that relationship. He wants to be uh, in your life. He wants to move and give you grace that you need for all the things that you need. And most, more than anything, he just wants to uh, walk with you and, and have that relationship with you. And I'm telling you, it is so easy. It's just a matter of just receiving his free gift of righteousness and all of your sins are washed away. So if you want to receive Jesus this morning, I just ask you, just while everyone's uh, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just uh, lift a hand uh, to the Lord if you would like to um, give your heart to Jesus and receive his free gift this morning? Amen, hallelujah. Or if you'd like to rededicate your life to the Lord, it's really, really simple. And, on, and, and we're just believing for that. If, if that's you on the, on the live stream, please send us a message. We'd love to pray with you. Um, but we just, uh, just, let's all just pray together. Uh, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Please wash all my sins away. I receive your free gift of righteousness. And I thank you so much for doing that for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Um, so we're gonna do something a little different today. Um, the, the Lord put it on my heart, we're gonna do a fire tunnel. And so if our, if our uh, ministry team uh, could come on up and uh, we're just gonna pray together real quick. All a fire tunnel is, is just... 
people of God just praying for you. You're just going to walk. There's like people on two sides, and you're just going to walk right through, and we're just going to bless you, lay hands. There might be a prophetic word here or there, and um, you're just going to get filled with Holy Spirit. That's our heart's desire. So if we can maybe turn on some, uh, some happy, fun, joyful music, um, and we're going to do a, a joy-filled fire tunnel, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And so what we'll do is if, if you uh, want to go through the fire tunnel, um, you're going to stand up. And why don't we have you come through this side right here and then go that way through the fire tunnel. All right. And uh, with that, let's get, some, let's get some fun music going. And uh, other than that, I'm just going to go ahead and pray a prayer of dismissal. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you're doing, for everything that you're about to do down in Tempe. We thank you for those that are praying down in our capital today as well. We just thank you, Father, that revival is here. We thank you that you are all powerful. We thank you for your grace, Lord Jesus, that there is no impossible situations, Father, because you are the God of the impossible. And we just thank you so much for who you are. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen.